Okay, so uh, now, without further ado, I'm going to introduce this guest speaker, who, of course, you all know is, is my daughter, Chloe. I'm so proud of her. Amen. And, uh, all right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's got a word. It, it makes me think of it, and, you know, every time I think about it, you know, it's like it reminds me of, of John. John wrote to, to one of the churches, and he said, uh, to the lady elect, you know, and so he's talking to the lady who apparently was in charge of that church, and he's like, to the lady elect, and he said, I rejoice when I see that your children are walking in the truth, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, I've, I've seen her working, she's been working very diligently on this word, and she's like, what do you think, and I don't want to say a whole lot, because, you know, it's like, kind of like, fly, you know, just, just, you know, do your best, and so, go ahead, and come on up, Chloe, so, uh, She's got everything set up, and she's prayed up, and she's ready to go. So, so here you all, here you go. And the church needs live TV on my phone because I'm taking notes. Okay. I'm not feeling this thing today, Joe, so that. Is it on? There we go. We did it. Hi. Man, everyone's trying to make me cry today. Excuse me if I do. Okay. Hello. My name is Chloe Ramsey. Uh, crap. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Crap. <laughs> Every time I'm up here, I swear. Okay. Hi. My name is Chloe Ramsey. Uh, my dad is the pastor, and my my mom runs the sound. Uh, my brothers are down here in the pews. Uh, you probably all know our story. We all we all were born in California, and uh, when I was about six years old, uh, God told my mom and dad to um, move to Oklahoma so that they could go to school, Rainbow Bible School, which is where I'm going to be going. So after we were there, God told us to come here to pastor. And we've been here for about seven years. About seven years. Almost, almost. We're that close. So that's where... Uh, our time here is about to end. And uh, I forgot what I was saying. Anyway, I feel that to be in the ministry. So um, my dad gave me the opportunity to come up here and preach. So thank you. And I would like to um, 
pray over the sermon and just everything before we start. So thank you, God, for allowing me to be up here and preach. Uh, thank you for giving me uh, fluency throughout the words and to be able to um, word it in a way that people understand. And I pray that everyone gets something out of this message. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I'm going to take a tissue here. So, the title of this sermon is Equality and Fairness, for those of you taking notes. Um, I don't know who this message is exactly for. Maybe it's for someone who wants to learn to trust God, but you need proof that he's worth trusting. Or maybe something has happened to a fellow believer that has caused them to doubt God, and you need reassurance. So to start off, I would like everyone to uh, turn to Genesis 4, 3 through 7. And I will be reading in the NLT version. It's an interesting place to start. Okay, so starting in verse 3, it says, When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right, but if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, <laughs> but you must subdue it and be its master. So, um, whenever, because uh, my parents read the Bible to me, when I was a kid, this always looked unfair to Cain to me. It's like, why would his brother get a gift and Cain didn't? But I want to draw attention to the descriptions of Cain and Abel's offerings to God. So if you would look back to verses 3 through 4, it says, When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift. Now, the Bible doesn't say that Cain's gift was bad, but it also doesn't say that it was good. It, but the Bible, it takes time to mention that Abel's gift or offering was the best that he could give. It was the best of the firstborn lambs from his flock. Once again, the Bible does not say that Cain did not give something good to God. It just says that he gave a gift to God. So, definition of offering is a thing offered, especially as a gift or contribution. An offering is a gift. When we give a gift to someone, we often put a lot of effort into it, or at least I do. It's like you think about what color it's got to be, it's like what how they're going to use it, how much they're going to use it, what they like, what they dislike, you know, you put a lot of effort into it. Just how much more effort should we put in the gift to God? Because we have to give our best to God because that is what he has given us. God is very much for equality and fairness. Why should he give all to us and not expect anything in return? We count that as a basic human right 
that we should get thanks at least in return for helping someone because we're not obligated to help them. We did it out of the goodness of our heart. So you have to give your absolute best to him, Tim, because once again, that is what he gave for you. It kind of gets numb in your head because when you grow up hearing it all the time because I grew up in a Christian household. It's like, yes, Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. Yeah, yeah, I get this. I get this, but I didn't get it. God gave everything to us and for us. Because everything on earth he made for us to rule over. That's how it originally was supposed to be. God didn't make us to be slaves doing his bidding all the time, as the world likes to say. He didn't create us to be his own personal punching bag either. We're not meant to just, it's like, take that, take that. No, that's not what, no. He made us for companionship. He made us as his children to inherit the things of his house. God didn't make us to look down on us and make life harder for us. God doesn't want us dead. We can tell this by what Jesus says about us in his word. This is just one example. There's so many other examples. But in Matthew 12, 50, Jesus says, Anyone who does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit see those who choose Jesus as family. We all know who, how important family is, right? At least we should. Throughout the Bible, God calls us his children. Only an unstable man wants to kill his children. Parents, would you ever want to see your children come to harm? And those of you who don't have children, would you want to see your friends to come to harm? No. And you say, well, some people might, yeah, some people want to want harm to come to people. Yeah, I know. Those are terrible people and terrible parents. But God isn't a bad parent. Because everything that God has ever done has been in our best interest. God has conquered peoples for us. He has flattened land. He has made mountains. He has created rivers for us to drink from, valleys for us to rest in, trees to eat from, materials to work with with our hands. He made animals and plants for us to discover, to feed our curiosity, because he made us that way. He made us to be curious, knowing that one day our curiosity might lead us back to him. Wondering, what is this God thing? Who is this? What can I get from this? Fairness. Equality. Because God was the first one to make everything equal. He made every race. He made, he made humanity in every shape, size, color. Made us all sound different. And made us all look different and feel different and have different personalities. But we're all the same because we're all humanity. It's all human. And we are, we are all of equal worth. God knows that more than anyone because he made us. God is fair because he cares about us. Just look at Jesus. Jesus died for everyone, not just Jews, not just Christians, not just for people he knew would choose him, but for those who may never choose him as well. That is true fairness. 
to do something for everyone, regardless of what you think or believe, to give everyone a voice. Sin makes a person. Buddhists, Muslims, gay people, atheists, murderers, terrorists, dictators, sinners. Sin has affected them and changed the course of their lives drastically to the point where they hate God. But Jesus still died for them. Jesus died to unmake the sin that has enraptured humanity. To introduce another lifestyle to the world, even with the knowledge that some people will never choose it. They are given the same opportunity that everyone has. That sounds like fairness to me. It's equality. Sin needs to be broken from us to be truly free. And only God has the power to break it. Through Jesus, we can rejoin the kingdom of God and claim what he originally had for us, which is freedom in him. Because as soon as we left him, we were enslaved. Freedom. That is what Jesus died for. That is what so many martyrs have died for. Freedom for the earth. Freedom for God's lost sheep. Freedom to his wayward sons and daughters. Because that's what he made us to be, his sons and daughters. The quest for freedom is a long one. It's something that people have been searching for for centuries, and it's something that people are still looking for today. We have freedom, but only in Jesus. That is where true equality lies. Because in the kingdom of God, everyone is worth the same, and everyone knows that they are worth the same. There's no vision of inequality. Because the vision of inequality is what starts dictatorship after dictatorship. It, it starts the pursuit of power over those seen as insignificant. In the kingdom of God, no one thinks that they are worth more than their brother or sister or mother. And most importantly, no one thinks themselves more important than God. God's kingdom is not a dictatorship. He doesn't want what's worse for us. For us. That's what he's been trying to say through the church. That's the Christian's assignment. To preach the gospel the way Jesus says to preach it. We didn't always preach correctly, which has caused rebellion against God and his laws. Secular people nowadays see everything, as, see everything that happens as a personal attack against them. It's like, why did God do this to me? God caused this to happen. No, no. They say this whether or not it was from God. But they never blame him for their blessings. They don't even consider that God isn't the one doing this. They just assume God wants them to suffer. People suffer from what I like to call assumed oppression. Assumed oppression is when God tells people not to do something so they get all rebellious and assume that he's withholding something better from them. God told me not to do this thing. I want to do this thing. This is what's good for me. I know what's good for me. God doesn't know. I want to do this. So I'm going to do this, regardless of whether God tells me not to or not. Did you ever think that maybe he's keeping you from something worse? Not everything we want is good for us. 
Sin is not a freedom. Sin is a curse. And it's like, but we want that. We want to do this, and we, we don't want to do what God tells us to do. You know, it's like, it's like dogs in those movies, like the, the, the dog movies, you know, like, like Homeward Bound. Has anyone seen Homeward Bound? Well, I'm going to explain it to you anyway. <laughs> so the story of Homeward Bound is these owners have these dogs and a cat. So they, they drop them off to their friend's house just for a time because they're going on a trip with the intention of coming back, but the dogs and the cat don't know that because they're dogs and a cat. So they end up escaping the friend's house and going through the woods and all this stuff, getting hurt in the process, and eventually they wind up in this animal hospital where one of the dogs had gotten into, gotten into a little tussle with a porcupine. Porcupine quills all over him. So these vet people are coming at him with these like forcep things trying to get the, qu the, get the quills out of him. And so the dog doesn't know what's happening. He's not looking at that they're trying to help him. He's just looking at how painful it's going to be to get those quills out. So he's like, don't do that. Stop. Get away from me. But the vet's trying to help him, right? He's trying to get away the thing that's hurting him. It's like, that's how God is with us. It's a little, this is a little side point. It's not totally connected to the message, but it's still good. In life, we get into things that hurt us, whether it be making friends with the wrong person and they're affecting our walk with God or getting into a wrong hobby, whether it like be a TV show or whatever that's affecting us wrongly. And so God acts as our vet, trying to remove these things from us that are hurting us. But oftentimes we don't understand that he's trying to help us and we just see how bad it'll hurt to remove that quill. I don't want to remove that because that's going to be lost to me. I've decided that I like this. I don't, I don't want to let go of it. It's going to hurt. But he's trying to help you. You have to look at the things that God does from God's perspective. That's how you understand his character. I used to think that it was unfair that Abel got a blessing and Cain didn't, to go back to what I was originally talking about. But now I know that God was doing it for Cain's own good. And I will explain that to you. Because what kind of God would he be? God would God be? If, he, if God accepted something unbiblical just to prevent hurting someone's feelings. There are no exceptions to the rules in God's kingdom. Because everyone's equal. He doesn't value anyone more than another enough to break the rules. But back to the original message. The next point I want to make is that God is our advocate. It's a fancy word, sort of. To me, it is. The, def the, the definition of advocate is a person who publicly supports or recommends a particular cause or policy. I'll say that slower because I said that kind of fast. The definition of advocate is a person who publicly supports or recommends a particular cause or policy. God advocates for our freedom. And he gives everyone the same opportunity 
to be free in him. The Bible says that God's word has reached the corners of the earth. He's given everyone a fair and equal chance to hear the gospel. Not everyone has taken it. We have to be fair-minded towards God because he's the only true equal opportunity for everyone. He's the only one without bias because he created everyone equally. And Jesus died for everyone equally and told us to preach to everyone equally. God sent Jesus in town. In God, shit. <laughs> God sent Jesus in I'm going to step over there and get ready. And uh, it won't take long because that water is cold. We want to get out of there as soon as we can, okay? All right, so uh, without further ado, I'm going to step up there and, and uh, get to doing the work of the kingdom. Amen? All right.